0: Hey guys, welcome back to the GOAT podcast. This is a podcast that we have on the Scattered Abroad Network that is specifically designed to give you an opportunity to discuss sports without headphones. Uh, You don't have to worry about foul language, you don't have to worry about beer commercials and other things that a Christian should not be involved in promoting. We're just going to talk about the game. You don't even have to worry about politics of the game. We're just going to talk about the game. And today I have with me Jamison Stewart. Jamison, welcome back to the program. Glad to be back, Michael. All right. Well, Jamison, I'm going to give you the floor and I'm going to uh, I'm going to set a timer here on my phone for three minutes. And I'm going to let you kind of discuss the overall state of the NFC. That's what we talked about all week, Monday through Thursday. And now I'm going to get your take. So your clock starts now.
1: All right. The NFC East. uh, Just going to go through each of the divisions as quickly as I can. The NFC East. Strangely enough, for years it was maybe one of, if not the weakest division in all of football. And as of last year, they flipped the script and perhaps, maybe not the most challenging division, but certainly one of the strongest divisions in all the NFL with the Eagles at the top, Cowboys runners up, but they went 12 and 5. The Giants surprised, I thought they would be horrible, but they went 9 and 7. And then the Commanders going 8 and 8 and tying a game. So as far as the NFC East goes, they have become a powerhouse in that conference. Moving on to the NFC North, Minnesota Vikings sit at the top of that division, and a lot of question marks with the rest of that division. The Detroit Lions almost made the playoffs this last year. Will they make it again, or will they finally make it to the playoffs this next year, or will they take a step back and be the good old Detroit Lions that we've all come to know and love? Uh, the Packers and the Bears, the Bears really struggled last year. Uh, maybe they take some steps forward. The Packers are really, their future's kind of up in the air right now. So that division may actually be getting worse and not better. The NFC South, uh, they've been bad. And I think that division's going to continue to be bad for at least another year or two. Um, we'll talk about this some later. I do think there's going to be one team that rises to the top of that division, and it might be somewhat obvious who it is. Um, but we'll talk about that more later. But NFC South is easily the worst division in the NFC, in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even close. And then the NFC West, another division that could be really, really strong. The 49ers, I think, are going to, going to continue to be very, very good. The Seahawks' surprise. We all thought that'd be a rebuilding year for them last year. They get in the playoffs. Geno Smith has a fantastic year, gets big money uh, in this offseason. The Rams had a terrible season, but you would think a lot of the pieces are there. They were really banged up last year. Uh, It wouldn't be surprising to see them bounce back and have another good year in 2023. The Cardinals, kind of the same thing. Uh, Either one of those teams very well could bounce back. And They may not be great. Uh, I doubt they go 5-12 and 12 and 4-13 and 13 again, which is what the Rams and the Cardinals just did. So, I look for the West to improve. I look for the East to maintain. The South, I think, is going to maybe improve slightly, but still be the worst division in the NFC. And I look for the North. I look for the Lions maybe to maintain. I think the Bears will get better, but the Packers, I think, they're going to get worse before it gets better in Green Bay. So there's my roundup of the NFC.
0: And you literally ended right at three minutes. Look at man, that. I'm Guys, that's pro. why Jameson is on the podcast, you know. Uh, so we're going to switch now then. It's been an NFC-themed week. It seemed kind of appropriate because the NFC had the most going on uh, at the time that we started this podcast because, of course, the Panthers move up to number one, And then the Rams trade a bunch of their players and release a bunch of their players. So we're going to look at which NFC player does dot, dot, dot. That's what we're going to call this open discussion. First question I have for you is which NFC quarterback is most likely to win the most valuable player award. Doesn't mean he's going to, but who's the most likely, in your opinion, to win that award next year?
1: Well, to me, personally, I think this is a slam dunk because if he doesn't get hurt the last few weeks of the season in 2022, he wins the MVP award in 2022, in my opinion. But I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts is the likeliest to win it in 2023. If the guy stays healthy, um, I know defensively they're replacing a lot, but what that means is now it's time to start scoring even more points. Um, If Jalen Hurts stays healthy – I might look for him to have an even better year in 2023. Offensively, they're keeping a lot of the weapons. Um, I know they've lost a few pieces, but a lot of his weapons in the passing game especially are still there. So, I don't know about you, but my likeliest is Jalen Hurts.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to find. Maybe another podcast at a later date could just be ranking the NFC quarterbacks because – I can't think of one off the top of my head that is most likely to win it. Um, It is a gauntlet in in that side of the NFC because they do have to contend with what seems to be appearing here now as the most loaded AFC we've probably ever seen. But I would agree that Jalen Hurts is probably most likely a secondary selection there. You know, maybe, just maybe, there is a player that is around like a Trey Lance – that is going to have a full season under his belt. We've seen – I think the 49ers are one of the most quarterback-proof teams that's out there. And if they take care of Trey Lance, he could improve because they've got the weapons to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it could also be that, you know, uh, Matthew thinking, Stafford.
1: Yeah. Um, I was thinking um, if the Cowboys are ever able to put it all together, mm-hmm. um, Dak Prescott could very easily win the NFL MVP. Because the numbers yeah. are always there for him. The problem has been the, the postseason success has not been there. If they could ever get right. some, you know, they could go deep in the playoffs. I mean, they don't have to win it all, but just win a few games. Um, and, yeah. I mean, he could get 40 touchdowns and they go deep in the playoffs and that guy could win the MVP. To me, he's kind of a, a sneaky – if the team does well, he's a sneaky pick. I guess a dark horse candidate for the MVP award would be Dak Prescott.
0: Yeah, moving on then to the comeback player of the year. We're probably going to be different here, but I think it'll be from the same team. So who, in your opinion, is most likely to win comeback player of the year?
1: If he can finally stay healthy again, um, I think this would be the second time he's won it. Um, But my thought was Matthew Stafford for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, The weapons are still there. If he can get healthy again, the guy's a fantastic quarterback. Um, I have no doubts that yeah. that he could put up the numbers. And if he does that, he could very easily win the comeback player of the year again.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm going to be same team, different position, and it's his buddy, Cooper Cup. Mm. Uh, the guy set records. He was projected as an MVP candidate last year when they won the Super Bowl a season or two ago now. So I think he he could be most likely to win it too. And the only reason I say that is, Matthew Stafford just unfortunately does not stay healthy. That's been his biggest problem. And I do think the Lions are a huge contributor to that. They didn't really take good care of him. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the clip where he was playing the Browns and got slammed into the ground. I think he dislocated his shoulder, and he stayed in the game. They called timeout. Or, no, he stayed in the game. They bring him off, and they're like, no, 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 you're not playing. And then the quarterback that went in calls timeout, and Matthew Stafford goes, hey, they called timeout. Oh, I can play. I can play. And he runs back out on the field. (laughs) He throws a touchdown pass and then is like holding his arm after he did that, screaming. Yeah. That sums up Matthew Stafford's career. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, tough
1: guy. And, Uh, but, well, lately it's been a lot of back issues and, you know, a lot of things you can play through. But his is like vertebrae issues, I think. It's, you know, right. You can't quite play through that. Um, Right. So, I hope he gets his health figured out. And if he does, it
0: might be a toss-up between him and Cooper Cup for the comeback player of the year. So, Yeah. All right, moving on to the NFC player, who is most likely to win offensive player of the year?
1: I might be coming out of left field on this one. Um, but right. it's based off of some recent things that have happened. Um, I'm going to go with Tony Pollard for the Dallas Cowboys. That's maybe a bit of a bold choice, but we've seen what he can do in spurts. Now he, in theory, is about to get to be the lead back in Dallas. Um, We saw what a fully healthy and peak Ezekiel Elliott did three years ago there. Can Tony Pollard do the same thing? Um, If he's as good as what we've seen in flashes, I'll be really interested to see what he can do this year.
0: It's Justin Jefferson, for yeah, me. Him too. Like, I know I'm I'm biased there, you know, because <laughs> no, I like good. Justin Jefferson. He's on my fantasy team, um, best third round pick I ever made in my life. Uh, but Justin Jefferson, they they literally said to Adam Thielen, you know, hey, thanks for the memories, and we're gonna ride with Jay Jettas now. Yeah, have fun And in so Cleveland. if if yeah if <laughs> if if Kirk Cousins can be accurate and they can continue to build on what they've done the last couple of years. I think Justin Jefferson has a very good chance there, but uh NFC player who's most likely to win defensive player of the year. We might say the same one here. I'm not sure. We might.
1: I'm just thinking uh I mean I guess it could be Aaron Donald, but my thoughts went first to like Fred Warner, or one of 49 the 49ers' linebackers. I mean, just
0: just pick one. Uh you know. Right. Um, so we are different. Wow, okay. Yeah, okay. Um huh. Micah Parsons. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's – if if the Cowboys could find a way – I predicted in one of the drafts that is going to air tomorrow, actually, I predicted that the, the Cowboys should take an edge player, uh, the guy from Auburn, and yeah. give Micah a true, legitimate opposite threat. And I said that in the podcast. I don't want to get fully into it because then people won't want to listen tomorrow. But if you look at the Steelers throughout history – they do very, very well when they have one excellent pass rusher, a James Harrison, a TJ Watt, and then one very big complimentary piece, a Lamar Woodley, Alex Highsmith, Joey Porter. You could go on and on, and I think that's the recipe for success. And when you don't have a lot of holes to plug in offensively, you certainly have a, a pretty deep draft at receiver and tight end. That they don't have to worry about that. When you don't have a ton of holes defensively, but you notice Micah Parsons is triple teamed, that tells me you need to find a way to minimize that. And if you can get another guy over there, Michael Parsons could break the sack record. Oh, yeah. Um, and I yeah. hate to say that because I believe TJ Watt did it a few years ago now and the NFL took it from him. But I think Michael Parsons could do it.
1: Yeah, he's that kind of so, player.
0: So, NFC teams then, and you said something at the beginning, I'll push back just a smidge. All right. You said something about the NFC South being a very weak division, and I agree with you there. I will take that even further, though, and say now that I think the whole NFC has gotten incredibly weak.
1: Based off of recent moves? Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you look at everything that's happening and the the still up in the air, I'm going to say it's up in the air and then it'll happen while we're doing this, so I'm going to have to keep an eye on my phone. Uh, The up in the air thing with Aaron Rodgers, if he does end up moving from the NFC to the AFC, you could make the argument that it's the Eagles or 49ers divisional, you know, conference round to lose. And so, when we ask the question, which NFC team is most likely to make it to the Super Bowl, who do you pick?
1: Well, my gut reaction was the 49ers. Because I right? the Eagles have lost so much on defense. We'll see if they replace some of that. The 49ers have lost less than the Eagles have. Now, right? You know, so my pick would be the 49ers, but I think the argument for the Eagles is that they have kept their – their leader and his weapons for the most part intact um yeah but the old saying defense wins championships it proved itself again this past year um the 49ers right now defensively are set up better than the eagles are and so i would have to lean right now towards the 49ers
0: i'll go off the wall because it's it leads us into our hot takes and this is one of those where it's like, I have to be a little bit Skip Bayless every now and then. Yeah. You know, I have to give a little bit of that. You're going with the Cowboys, aren't I'm you? I'm going to say that the Detroit oh. Lions <laughs> are, uh, are more likely to make it to a Super Bowl than they've ever been before. Oh, because I you are
1: going to say then the Dallas Cowboys.
0: No, well, <laughs> yes. Uh, but I think the Lions, they lost basically nothing. They replaced what they lost very quickly, and they added some pieces. And we're not going to get into all the free agents right now because there's still a lot of moving pieces and such. I want to wait till it kind of settles a little. But the Lions, they lose Aaron Rodgers in their division. The Bears, I think, are still a year or so away from truly competing, competing. Yeah. And then the Vikings are in a little bit of a disarray with the salary cap, that they had to get some moves and, and get rid of some players. So you, you look at that and say, man, the Lions could easily win their division. And if they win their division, then all you have to worry about is two games and you're in the conference championship. And with the weak play of all the other NFC teams, it could be that it's one of those where the Lions actually sneak in, kind of like the Titans did years ago when they lost to the Rams in the Super Bowl. Um, Maybe that's what happens to the Lions this upcoming year. But hopefully for our Lions fans, if they're not playing the Steelers or the Chiefs, I'll root for you.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, there you go.
0: So, uh, But this is, this is now our, our segment, What Did You Say? And we're going to talk about three hot takes that you have for the upcoming NFL season. Jameson, I'm going to start, and then I'll let you react to it, and then you can give one for you, and then we'll just go that way. But All right. my hot take is that the Detroit Lions and the New York Giants will be in the conference championship game to go to the Super Bowl. That's my well, hot take.
1: I'll kind of pair the first hot take that I wrote down. When I was making notes for this. Mine is not as bold as yours. So yours is the hotter sure. take. But I put the Lions sure, make sure. the playoffs.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean I,
1: I think I think I think they're gonna do it. They were right there, like you said, they didn't get worse this off season on paper. They got better. Um uh, yeah. And the draft
0: hasn't happened yet. Yeah,
1: I look like for them. That's the, and
0: they have two first-round picks. Yeah,
1: I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. And like you said, they very well may even win that division. So, um, which I'll be excited for them. I mean, I, don't, I always like a good underdog story. So, I would love to see the Lions get in.
0: Yeah. So, what other hot takes did you write down? Do you got well, any more? Well, my second one,
1: I wrote down three. Um, but I was yeah. just going to say that because yours and mine Absolutely. are
0: the same. Paired heard perfectly
1: my second one is that the saints win at least 10 games and they win their division i think the saints are going to be they are going to win that division they might even win 11 or 12 games um mainly because nobody else in that division is any good and they're they're actually going to have a quarterback whereas no one else really in that division will have much of a quarterback so look for the saints to have one of
0: the best years they've seen in a while Okay. My second hot take is that the Minnesota Vikings will move up and draft a quarterback. They'll find a way. That, you know, they'll, they'll find a way. And I think in some ways this could be completely a Justin Jefferson request. There are videos out there of Justin Jefferson yelling at Kirk Cousins for missed passes and just completely terrible ball placement. And if there was ever a chance for the Vikings to go get a quarterback – They could do it. The only problem is I struggle with with their ability to move all the way up to three and and leapfrog the Colts because you have to leapfrog the Colts in Seattle to do it. But Arizona, they're kind of sitting there now and saying from what I'm hearing in the rumor mill, Arizona's kind of coming out and saying stuff like, hey, we're willing to move with that third pick. We don't really love anybody. We'd rather get a haul. And if I am the Vikings and I look at Will Levis and I look at Anthony Richardson and I say, hmm, even if – we end up looking like fools, you could keep Kirk Cousins and still go draft a quarterback because Kirk's deal is up after this year, if I remember reading correctly, and so you got to have a plan in place anyway. Or the Vikings could even just say to Kirk Cousins in this scenario, kick rocks, we'll trade you to a team that needs a quarterback and just be done with it and we'll ride with a rookie. That's my second hot take. What's your third?
1: My last one is – I think the Bears are going to win eight games this year, this upcoming year, which they want, to put that in perspective, they've won three. So, I think they're going to improve. They're not going to make – you know, they're not going to win the division. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they are going to improve significantly, I think, this next year. Um, They've got all that draft capital coming in. They've got some talent coming in. Uh, Look for the Bears to get a lot better. Now, they'll still need to get better but they're going
0: to be a lot better than they have been. Yeah, absolutely. And and the draft trade that they made for the number one pick, getting rid of it, had they not done that, I might have pushed harder on this. But I do think they got better offensively. I do think that they've got a host of draft picks to be able to make moves. The only thing I think they might still be kicking themselves over, if you knew that you could have just not traded for Chase Claypool and you could have gone and gotten DJ Moore and still had the number 32 overall pick – I think maybe they regret that trade, um, and I think they said as much by getting DJ Moore as a contingent of this deal yeah. uh, because if Chase Claypool was as great as they thought he was going to be for them, I don't even know that they would have gotten DJ Moore as a part of the package. I think this move says we're willing to move on from Claypool or Mooney, whoever doesn't have a very good second year in the system with yeah. Justin Fields as a starter. Yeah. All right, my third and final hot take I think you will like. Daniel Jones will win or be at least in the conversation for the most valuable player. Oh, wow. He'll have an MVP caliber season. So Brian Dable turned Daniel Jones from a laughing stock pick into an $80 million guaranteed quarterback. Uh, He also did that with, like, the least amount of weapons outside of Saquon Barkley, and they did go and trade for Darren Waller. And they yeah. gave him a tight end. They've got Daniel Bellinger. I think they might use a two-tight end set there. Because I said on the podcast, I thought Daniel Bellinger was a phenomenal tight end. And then the next day, they trade for Darren Waller. Yeah. But they've got Isaiah Hodgins, who was playing well for them. They got rid of Kenny Galladay. I think they could be some, some players in the wide receiver market for another you know, player or two. But their team is another one that they really didn't lose anything. They really didn't have to worry about a bunch of overturn. And they got... Daniel Jones, to minimize the turnovers, if they can do that even more in year two with Brian Dable, I think you could see Daniel Jones in the MVP conversation.
1: I think what I've observed from Daniel Jones is that he is a – I think he's an Alex Smith-type quarterback. You know, he's never going to put up Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen-type numbers. He's not that guy. But he can do, I think, what Alex Smith did. He can do the mid-20s and touchdowns, you know – eliminate as many turnovers as possible, um, be a pretty mobile guy. And I think this past year he showed he's capable of that. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be really interesting to see if he can continue to get better.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to skip around real quick. We'll come back to the dynasty yeah. questions here in a second. Let's go ahead and answer these questions from Chase Green. By the way, if you're listening and you have questions about NFL at this point in time, we're really kind of focused on that with the draft, free agency, if you have questions about the NFL, your team, or another team, you can email us. You can look at the show notes. It's goat versus goat at gmail.com. G-O-A-T V-S-G-O-T-E at gmail.com. But I'm gonna ask you, Jameson, and I'm just gonna I'll just answer very minimally after you've done after you're done. But here are the three questions. Number one, do you think Derek Carr has a reasonable chance of making the Saints relevant slash making them a playoff contender? You've kind of answered this already. But maybe go into why you think. Because all they've really done is add Derek Carr, who, by the way, had the same stats as all their other quarterbacks they had last year in New Orleans. Yeah. So give us some more reasoning as to why you think that that's true.
1: I just think Derek Carr, he's, I think he's going to be motivated. Um, to have, he's, it did not end well in Oakland. Um, I think he's going to be motivated. Um, he's, a, he's not a great NFL quarterback. But he's certainly better Mm -hmm. than anyone currently on New Orleans' roster. Um, To me, he has elevated the quarterback room for them um, to at least the middle of the league, in my opinion. Um, That's a terrible division. As long as they can just continue to put some talent around him, almost by default, New Orleans, in my opinion, should be the favorite to win that division. They've got the best quarterback now in the division. Um, I mean – They should be the favorites to win it. Uh, So I I think, I think, I don't think he's going to break records or anything. He's not going to be the second coming of Drew Brees, but I do think he's going to get him
0: to the playoffs this year. Right. All right. Aaron Rodgers, where does he land? Could the Jets be a serious possibility, or is that just smoke and mirrors? And would he make them relevant?
1: I think he would make them relevant. Um, I guess the question is, and maybe this is why I'd be interested to see if he does this, is how much does he have left in the tank? Uh, You know, did he fall off some last year, or was that just the team around him had gotten significantly worse? I do think that was a big part of it. Um, So he's got – if he goes to New York, he's got something to prove. Does he still have something in the tank, or is he on his last leg of his career? Um, If he goes to New York, I look for him to come out in the best shape he's been in a long time. Um, He will make them relevant. Um, They will be a better team with him on the team just simply because you finally have a quarterback who knows what he's doing, Um, even if he's not as good as he once was.
0: Well, my answer for the Derek Carr question would be I think he's on a very short leash. If he has a bad season, I think the Saints cut their losses and move on, even with that big contract because – in the Saints organization, the salary cap does not exist. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know what they're doing. But they are every year pushing dead money until, you know, the end of time. And I think on Judgment Day, they might have to pay all of that before they can even be judged. Day of reckoning. Uh reckoning. You know, <laughs> that's right. That, it, that day will come. Aaron Rodgers, here's something interesting. I'll just throw it out, and this is all I'll say on it. Brett Favre was only in New York for one year. And then he went to Minnesota. It was amazing for a, a year, two years. Aaron Rodgers could go to New York for just one year and then, oh, Good. man, the Vikings need a quarterback because Kirk Cousins' contract is up. And Aaron is that type of guy where he would go to the Vikings just as Brett Favre did, not to imitate Brett, but just to to really you know, say to the Packers, I'm going to beat you now yeah. twice and make you really regret it. And that's exactly what Brett did too. Uh, so that's, that's what I'll say about that. The final question before we move on, we we got about maybe 15 minutes left of what we need to cover, Max. Lastly, Dak Prescott. Is he the guy for Dallas or not? I'm just going to let you answer this. Jameson is a Dak connoisseur. Uh, he knows Dak Prescott very well because he has had him on his fantasy team since Dak came in, I believe, um, basically. So I'm playing stolen. college
1: all the time as well. So. Yeah.
0: So is he the guy in Dallas or not? Chase says he's just not seeing it.
1: I don't know. I go back and forth. The numbers, when he's healthy, the numbers are always there. And yet somehow right. they don't win in the playoffs. Now, why is that? Some years it's been him. Um, I think maybe this past year you could argue it was him a little bit. what um, did he have two turnovers? I think in the game they ended up losing, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also sometimes it's their defense. They can't stop anybody. Um, right. So for them, it's I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. I do not think Dak Prescott is the problem on that team. Um, I guess my thing with the Cowboys it would be this: is where are you going to? It's not so easy to replace what he does from a statistic standpoint. I mean, sure, just draft somebody else and they can do what he does. It's not that simple. Um, right. I don't think he's the problem in Dallas. What is their problem? I don't know. And I don't – as many changes as they've made, Jerry Jones brought in – what's the dude who's their head coach now?
0: Mike McDaniel. Yeah. Or, no, McCarthy. (laughs) Mike McDaniel. (laughs) McCarthy. Sorry, Mike McDaniel.
1: Uh, Mike McCarthy. I mean, legend. And hasn't figured it out yet. So, I think whatever their problems are, it's not – so, the fellow who's making all the hires might actually be the problem. Um But it's not quite so obvious what their problems are. So, I think keep Dak, continue to ride with him. Um, I think they're going to get it figured out. All that talent, they got to get it figured out at some point, in my opinion. There's just – there's too much talent on both sides of the ball. I think they're going to get it figured out at some point. Um, I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan by any means, but at some point with all that talent,
0: you've got to get it figured out. And I think they will. Yeah. All right. Well, for the remainder of our time, it's all about fantasy football. Uh, Jameson, I thought it would be fun to kind of explain to people who don't know about dynasty football kind of what it is and maybe to the best of your recollection, how we ended up getting into dynasty versus redraft every year.
1: I don't really remember. I think just one year. has probably been, what, ten years? almost, nine mm-hmm. or ten years. Yeah. I think we just decided, like, hey, we kind of like our teams. What if we did this where we keep all of it or we keep some of our team? Uh, and I think without even quite realizing what we were doing, we started basically dynasty, doing a right. dynasty fantasy football. It's like, oh, that's what this is called. And it's just kind of evolved from there. Um, and I I prefer it this way now. Um Yeah. You know, originally I I liked redrafting a team every year, but now I'm like, I don't really like doing that. Um, Right. I like drafting
0: a team and then building it from there. I think that redraft leagues don't take a lot of skill. Now that I've done it this way for 10 years, that's not a diss to any of you guys that like redraft leagues. They have their place, and I don't even mind doing a few with, with friends. But I've often looked at redraft leagues and thought, man, it's just whoever got the luckiest draft. I mean, like, you could draft Aaron Rodgers. You could have drafted Deshaun Watson that year that he sat out. Yeah. At, you know, your first-round pick and thought, oh, I'm doing great. I got Deshaun Watson or drafted him in the third round even and thought, I'm great. And your backup quarterback, you're like, I guess I'll take Baker Mayfield. You know, why not? And now Baker's your starter, and he had a pretty good year that year, but it still wasn't, you know, to the level of what Deshaun Watson had been known to do. Yeah. And so I, I agree with you. After doing doing it now for ten years, Dynasty is where, if you do it from scratch, I recommend the Sleeper League. Uh, you know, mindset Sleeper has the best way to do it. ESPN, it's not customizable enough. NFL is not customizable enough. CBS, Fox, on and on. You could go. Uh, Sleeper allows you to really customize how you want. Dynasty fantasy football is where, from the moment you draft the initial players, you keep all of those guys. Now, how I would recommend doing this, and you can agree or disagree, but if we were to start from scratch, I would suggest that no matter when you do it, you do two separate drafts. You do your offense draft, your, your very you know veteran draft, so to speak, and then you do your rookie draft separately. And whoever has the number one pick in your regular draft, because we'll talk about this some next week as far as who should be your number one picks, Whoever has the number one pick should probably have the last pick in the rookie draft. Do some descending order to keep some parity among the league as best as possible. But, yeah, we did keeper leagues for a year. That's what we called it. It was a keeper league. And then I got into a dynasty community at some point on Facebook, and everybody was talking about it, and they were saying a lot of the same stuff we were doing, but not the exact same. And so I thought that was kind of neat how we got started. Um, It was the year after my dad stopped playing that we said, let's just keep these guys. Yeah. And we basically took the bones and meat off of Dad's team and a couple of other guys that said they wanted to back out, they didn't want to play anymore, and we just drafted from those. That's how I got Le'Veon Bell um, back when he was doing yeah. really, really well. And that was, a, that was a good move. So Dynasty, in my opinion, if you have never done a Dynasty league, you got to do at least one. Get your friends to do one. If you want one of us to join, you know, for a season and kind of give you the ropes, I'll be happy to do that. I can't speak for Jameson, but depending on our free availability here, we'll at least help you get it set up, and then we can dip because that's the other cool thing about Sleeper. You can bring somebody in, let them be a commissioner, run everything, set it all up, and then they can dip out, and we can give you some advice on that. Moving on with this idea of Dynasty Fantasy Football, though, having done this for 10 years, there have been – some trades. I don't want to talk about the one trade. We're talking about that next week. You know which one I'm talking about between you and me uh, with the wide receivers. All so right. let's we'll keep that for next week. But there's been some trades that I would consider some hilarious moments throughout our history of playing together, some free agent pickups, draft steals, mishaps. Um, Jameson, maybe give a, a couple of the moments throughout the last ten years that you look on and think, oh, that was something that sticks out every time you think about – the league, something that makes you chuckle?
1: Oh, I don't remember the trades as much as you do because you tr- you are involved in a lot more trades than I've ever that been. That is true. I do know that – I think it was a fairly even trade, but it ended up working out much better for me. I think a couple years ago I traded – what was it? I think I traded like Derek Carr and one other quarterback. To uh, someone in our league for Matthew Stafford, and this was the Matthew yeah. Stafford before the year that the the Rams won the Super Bowl. So it was right. he had a fantastic year, and I got rid of basically I I got I got a Stafford for you know trading two quarterbacks. It was it was Derek Carr and somebody else. I don't even remember who it was now. It might have been Kirk Cousins, right. but. I don't remember. I don't think it was Cousins now, but I can't think of anything. I'll remember the ones when you say it, but.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, probably the – so draft steal, obviously, um, I have to bring this up because it's it's the biggest claim to fame that I have. But when we didn't know yet what dynasty leagues were like with quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes was such an unknown name that he was a free agent, and I picked him up. As a rookie free agent, and just sat on him for a year, and then in 2018, there's this guy in Kansas City lighting up the NFL, and I've I've looked back on that as one of the greatest moves that I've ever made in my entire life in fantasy football. Um, because a,
1: no one knew. That's probably the greatest move in our fantasy football league, just because I mean, he became the great became the best quarterback in the league, and he was picked up as a free agent. Um, right. I, well, I know for me, one that it's not quite to that level, but it's similar. Is I drafted? We I think we had a ten round draft, and I drafted Jalen Hurts. I think in like yep. the seventh or eighth round, um, but the, yep. because it was at the time they had Carson Wentz, and he was just coming <laughs> off of a good year, and but I was just like, oh, I like Jalen Hurts, and who knows? So I drafted him, and now, now look at him. Um, so that one, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pleased with that one for sure,
0: but, and I mentioned earlier on the podcast, and I'll, I'll give a mishap and we can, we can move on. Uh, but I mentioned earlier, as far as a, a draft steal, we do a a little smaller dynasty league together. It's a, it's a very small group of friends, bigger rosters. It's just purely for fun. There's no money. We're not, we're not betting on anything. We just want to play for bragging rights. And so because of that. I was able to take, with the 18th overall pick, Justin Jefferson, which is still, like, that's a huge – Yeah. I mean, Jerry Judy went before him. Uh, CeeDee Lamb went before him, which that one may not be as big of an issue. But I got Justin Jefferson in the third round. That might be, as far as drafted players, that might be my best pick that I've yeah. made to date that I can think of because it's, it's my Jalen Hurts. Because I remember when you took Jalen, I was going to take him in the next round, and I was prepared to trade up to do it. And then you took him, and I was like, well, I'll just pivot. And then the mishap, this is the same draft with with Jalen Hurts that this happened, and I'm going to call him out, and I hope he's listening. Bradley Smith starts dynasty football. He's never played dynasty before, and so he didn't have any rookie picks that that first year because we have a rule where you build your team from the ground up. We all had to do that. We're not just going to gift you a team. So if somebody left our league, we all get to draft from their team. But if a new guy comes in, it's like, hey, man, you're on your own. We want to see how well you do. So Bradley wanted to make a splash, and he asked me during the draft as the commissioner, you know, hey, can I trade into the draft? And we said, sure. So he trades a bunch of his best players that would have probably helped him you know, win Uh, earlier on, he trades a bunch of his best players for (laughs) Lynn Bowden from Kentucky because he's a huge Kentucky fan. And I remember when he did it, I was thinking, he's getting Justin Jefferson
1: because I picked Justin
0: Jefferson like right after him. And I was like, great, he's going to get – I'm losing out on Jefferson now. When he texted me the pick, I had to turn my camera off and (laughs) mute my mic because I was so shocked that he did that. And then I texted him. I was like, hey, just a word to the wise, you may not want to do that kind of trade without talking to somebody who's done this before because I think he kind of got hosed, and he deserved it in part. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Well, the same draft, Bradley does it again, trades into the seventh round where there was still Jalen Hurts and a few others on the board, and he trades up and says, I'm taking Grant Delpit. A safety from the Browns who's done nothing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's there's been plenty of stuff like that. But do you have anything else you want to say on this before we move on to the final debate?
1: No, nothing, nothing I can think of. But yeah, there's been a lot of, I mean, a lot of things we have forgotten, but just things like that that in the moment yeah. were funny. But yeah, it's something something unusual happens every year.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that's the that is also the year where you had gotten the number one overall pick. We still did it where champs got the number one pick. And I was kind of wondering what quarterback you were going to take. And so when you went on the clock, I said, all right, tell me the pick. And Jameson just types back, you know who. And it was Joe Burrow. And that yeah. ended up working out. You know, oh, yeah. Jameson was like, that was his uh, his draft day moment. You know, Vontae Mack, no matter what. Yeah. It was Joe Burrow, no matter what. Yeah. Well, since we've been talking about fantasy football, I'm going to pull up the, the article here again to make sure I've got it in front of me. But – I found as I was preparing for this episode a list of the 50 highest scoring fantasy seasons by a quarterback and this was in May 11th uh, 2020 so it's it's outdated a little bit but I thought it was a unique read because I saw on this list two names and the the names that are on there over and over again were Drew Brees and Tom Brady Obviously, number one was Peyton Manning that year he was in Denver, the 2013 year, and then there's Patrick Mahomes. Number three was Tom Brady in 07. And then you come down, number six was 2011 Drew Brees. I want to ask the question, goat versus goat, who is the greatest of all time, if you had to pick between one of these two, Tom Brady or Drew Brees, fantasy football quarterback? And I say that because – we don't know what Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, those guys are going to do. There's still plenty of years left, hopefully, for them to play. But if we were to go back in time to right around, let's just say 2005, and we were starting a dynasty league, and you had the number one pick, and I'm going to have the number two pick. So whoever you take, I've got to take the opposite. Drew Brees, Tom Brady.
1: Well, knowing what I know now, I would be taking Drew Brees. Um, And this has nothing to do with my dislike of Tom Brady, like everyone who's not a New England or Tampa Bay fan. um, Right. This is – Tom Brady had a few seasons where he got hurt. Um, Tom Brady also had some – he had some seasons that he was amazing. But then he would also have a season where it's like, oh, he threw 24 touchdowns. Drew Brees was, in my opinion, very consistent in what he would do. Yeah. You know, he threw for 4,000 yards every year. He threw for 25, 30, 35 touchdowns every year. Um, Tom Brady's career was longer, but I think Breeze, while he was in, you know, that New Orleans Saints period, Breeze was the more consistent of the two. And for me in fantasy football, I really value consistency. Um, So I think Brady... His peaks, I think, were higher than Breeze, but Breeze's valleys were – they were not nearly as low as what Brady had in some of his injury years and some of his other years where offensively there were no weapons in New England. Uh, So I'd take Breeze. What about you?
0: I have to take Brady now just knowing what you know. But if I had the number one pick, it it would be Breeze. Okay. And here's why. 2008 was the earliest year Breeze made this list. After that, you have 2011, 2012, didn't make it 2013, but then 2014, 2015, 2016, didn't make it 2017, and then 2018. He's on this list those years. Yeah, consistency. So if we were to have that stretch of consistency, that's definitely good. And I said before we started recording this that I was wondering if you were going to bring this up or not, but I don't know if you remember it. I remember, I think it was 2011 that he had like a record broken for most games consecutively where he threw one touchdown, Mm -hmm. just one. And I don't know off the top of my head that Brady ever did that and broke that record. I'm sure he did something like that too. But at that time, that consistency is really important. And if I know, like with with Patrick Mahomes, it's kind of like this. If I know for a fact that Mahomes is going to get me at least a touchdown a game, I feel comfortable starting him. If oh I know yeah. that with Breeze, I'm starting Breeze. Uh, it's unfortunate that Breeze didn't get to end his career with another Super Bowl, and Brady is the reason for that because Brady beat him the year that they won the Super Bowl. And the but referees
1: are the reason for that too.
0: That That's true <laughs> with the one that the Rams made it to Yeah, through. that was uh, – <laughs> 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 I'll say this about Brady though. Brady is, is on the list, in my opinion – he did set a lot of the tone for the changing of the offensive style of play with that 2007 season. Oh, yeah. And so if if that had continued and Belichick wasn't the the cheap stickler that he's known for being, then I think Brady would have had a lot more years. If Gronk had stayed healthy his whole career, I think Brady would have probably had a lot more of the numbers on the list. Brady was really good. There's no reason to doubt that. But – Brady is the type of quarterback that I think fantasy-wise you would liken him with Big Ben. Yeah. They're both really good quarterbacks. Uh, Brady, of course, more accomplished on the field itself of, of Super Bowls. Yeah. But Ben was a guy that he could have a game. There was a two-game stretch. He threw six touchdowns in both games. Yeah. And then there would be like a four-game stretch where Ben threw one touchdown, 148 yards, and two picks. Well, uh, And I think Brady falls more into the, not game manager, but like, he would throw two touchdowns, maybe one interception, but he'd only have like 200 yards. And that's not yeah. as much as Breeze, who's getting four to 500 a game sometimes.
1: Well, and I think that's also the advantage of Breeze playing in a dome, you know, a controlled environment half the year. Whereas like Brady and Roethlisberger, they're playing outside in the wind, in the snow, yep. just horrible weather. And I mean, so it's just uh, that's also, you know, there's an upside to picking a guy that plays half his season in a dome. Look at Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah. You know, he plays half his year in a dome, and dude's stats are pretty good. So there's something to be said for that. Um. You know, if Brady had played his whole career in a dome, he might have been a lot better as well. As crazy as that is to think about.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, two things as we close. One, my bracket just got busted Uh-oh. for my final four Who lost? in one of my leagues Vir- Virginia. Well, Furman. Them sixty eight to sixty seven. There's the first you know, Cinderella story. Originally,
1: I had picked Furman, and then I changed it to Virginia. So,
0: yeah, good for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna do a podcast about this. I'm not a big basketball guy, but I did the three different ways ESPN can let you pick. They do one where they automatically predict it. They do another where they give you advice as you're going through and picking. And then the other words, just your call, whatever you think is going to happen, make. And so I'm going to do a podcast reviewing those three and see which one got the most you know, accurate numbers. I think mm. that would be a neat podcast to do. Um, but I'll say this as, as we round out this episode. You mentioned that it's about a dome. Have you noticed that all of the new stadium renders for the upgrades are all domes? Titans are getting a new stadium in 2024, uh, and it's going to be a dome. Yeah. The Rams go out and they build a dome. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you're going to see, as they try to do more player safety, that'll be their reasoning behind it. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you see them say, you don't have to worry about the elements in a dome, which means more offensive firepower, makes the league more exciting. Yeah, I think you could see in the next 20 years almost every stadium be a dome. Oh, yeah, um, it's better fan, better fan experience.
1: Better fan experience, there's more you can control. I mean, because, you know, a game like Buffalo had, you know, what was it, the game where Buffalo went to New England, it was like 100-mile-an-hour wins, and that, you know, New yeah. England won like 9-6, to six, you know, or right. something like that. It's like it's not yeah. – that's not – there was like – I think Mac Jones threw two passes in that game. You know, it's like there's – that's not – as far as TV goes, that's not exciting football. So, no. yeah, I would expect every team, as as soon as they're able, they're going to a dome because – there's just yeah. so many variables you eliminate that could end up hurting you. So,
0: Yeah. Well, that's been the NFC Roundup. Uh, Jameson, thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, next week he'll be back on next Friday uh, to discuss with us the AFC, the overview of that. And then we'll do a free agent recap, and we're going to pretty much shift into completely NFL draft. Uh, I think there's a lot to talk about. I'll try to rank players at positions and such. But, Jamison, thanks so much for being on. It went a little longer than we intended, but I always enjoy having you on the podcast. Next week we'll be overviewing the AFC, and we will talk about them Monday through Thursday with Jamison back on Friday. So until then, take care.